Hello and welcome to Movie Buffs, a show that covers the best action films of all time. I'm your host, Shani B. You can find me on all the socials at It's Me, Shani B. And I'm your other host, Cisco, from Misfit Minded Media Reviews. You can find me on all the socials at Misfit underscore Minded uh, and on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit. And then for more, you know, reviews, like we said, uh, go to my website, MisfitMinded.com. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and today we are talking about Denzel Washington and Antoine Fuqua's powerhouse franchise, The Equalizers. <laughs> I'm so excited about this, please. Yeah. Uh, you know, add add anything in here if you can. If you haven't seen these films, uh, so far there are only two. We're talking about this to get ready for the third that's coming this weekend. Um, but the first film, it introduces us to Robert McCall, the quiet, incognito, ex-Special Forces operative who cannot help but come out of retirement when he has to rescue a young sex worker and take down the Russian mob in Boston. Uh, Boston, right? fucking Boston. <laughs> Boston. I mean, there's not enough Boston accents, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, the second film, uh, Robert returns to peace. He's supporting local artists. He's trying to connect to the community when a former colleague and from his special forces days gets murdered. So he has no choice but to come out of retirement one more time <laughs> to avenge his yep. friend and bust up some corruption. Uh, still, I think in Beantown uh, at the end of the day, but sure. oh, man, two two bona fide action storylines, both mm -hmm. executed by a master. So tell me, how do you feel about this franchise, and how do you feel about these movies? Um, I'm sort of a fanny bee. Please, <laughs> uh. all right. <laughs> um. I like, you know, I always like Denzel being able to kick ass. I'm always going to, uh, you know, pay to see that. And so uh, he definitely elevates the material. And, like, that's why he's, like, I feel like the best actor. Because, like, uh, the original, so, like, one of the original castings of this was going to be Russell Crowe in the first Equalizer. Whoa. And that's, like, a completely different... <laughs> like during the research and i was like that would have been a completely different franchise like you probably i don't even know if it would have been a franchise like honestly because denzel brings so much to it that no other actor could it's true um, it's true that's wild <laughs> we'll talk about it but like the ocd effects uh in the first one really don't carry over to the sequel so i'm like kind of interested so how, what they're gonna do in the third one yeah yeah uh, i it seems like they just, I don't know, like he's, he just got over it, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm interpreting that as this film sort of being informed by the franchises of Sherlock Holmes and Taken and John Wick. Like they're all in the same family where I wasn't sure if that was to mirror his character or to mirror the, the level to which his character was capable of just operating in these environments so lax you know throwing the the signature look across these movies of like yeah but either i don't know either way it's like kind of weird that they just kind of abandon it like in the sequel <laughs> like but no matter what it is like the slowing down time effect it's like not they don't really return to it so i don't know why um yeah there's a pl plenty of great actors across both movies which we'll get into um 
you know, he he develops some questionable relationships over the, the two movies. To say the least. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and this time around, I got to say, very surprising to me, because um, for the longest, I always thought the first one was the superior movie. Mm. Um, and I remember, like, when I saw the sequel in the theater, like, me and my friend who are, like, Denzel stands uh we like made a whole day out of it we were like we got a couple of beers yeah we were like we we're like dude we're gonna go see equalizer 2 it's gonna be sick and then like that's i feel like our expectation just wasn't like it didn't fit what equalizer 2 was equalizer 2 was like an old man <laughs> movie <laughs> like to be honest <laughs> Uh, so, like, I don't know, I guess I was kind of disappointed in it when I saw it that time, but, like, revisiting it, I'm like, is Equalizer 2 better than the first one? <laughs> like, I think it's a good it question. Be, like, by a hair, like, Pedro Pascal in it, uh, versus Denzel, I, I feel like that's a pretty, I mean, I like the villain in the first one, but, um, I like that, that aspect in the sequel, that's, like, someone that's as capable as him because like the russian mob you know very reliable villains but i feel like denzel just picks them apart like <laughs> in the first one yes these are the strengths of the franchise that i think you're speaking to for sure because i agree you know <clears throat> historically when i first saw this movie i had a different relationship to these movies so i think re-watching them helped me like orient and recognize why I'm a Fanny B, because I'm totally into this. You know, it's not my favorite franchise by any means, but it's super entertaining. And the action and violence and the way they're captured, it's exciting enough for me to, when I return to this movie, be like, oh yeah, that is pretty cool. You know, it's like, I think I always come to these movies with really high expectations just because I love action movies, but it takes a little bit of time to sit with what I saw, to rewatch it, to take it in again, to really appreciate what's going on. And I agree with you. I think it's hard to tell maybe what this franchise is going for at the top because I guess maybe they didn't know they'd have that. And it's hard to determine which is better, the first or second, because the second one knows exactly what it is. It pulls no punches, just knives. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about what we're after and what we mean in the second one. But the first one's like kind of rocky. And yeah. I guess that's all still within the context of that I've accepted this film for like it being the old uh, Clint Eastwood vibed type of hero, you know, like seeing Taken, seeing John Wick and being this really interesting in between like rigid ex-military guy that doesn't have the charisma of the other guys, but his own charisma or something. <clears throat> I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure why I like this franchise so much, but his character is <laughs> so interesting. He's got so many tricks up his sleeves. The the score is good. The the Fuqua of it all is good. I I don't know. I guess like maybe I like the things that make this movie kind of cheesy. I think maybe that's mm -hmm. actually those are my favorite parts. You know. Yeah, and I. I... I want to be clear. I still think these are like above average, like action movies. You know, that's I mean? for sure. Like a million, there's a million of these like 
you know, revenge equalizing movies. Yes. Uh, where yes. one guy has to avenge something. Um, <laughs> you know, jo John Wick, it's a dog. Liam Neeson, they kidnapped my daughter. Blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. Like, and yeah, I, like I agree the with retribution storyline. On, on the flimsiness of the first one, because it's like, uh, one of my, we can get into our like plot holes and questions. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> yeah. But I think my biggest hurdle, like when I first saw it and then even revisiting it, the Chloe Grace Moretz storyline, just every time just does not work for me. It's just and I feel like, really unbelievable. Yeah. It is. It is. It's like, I, it's always like she's playing dress up. Like and not because she's wearing all these like ridiculous like wigs, but I just feel like they're yeah. There's also like a taxi driver kind of ripoff that's happening yes. in that. That's, that's relationship. exactly what they're trying to go for. Yeah, exactly. and it doesn't work. <laughs> nope, nope. Well, I think I was trying to figure it out, and I think with Taxi Driver, like she is so young in that. You know, Jodie yeah. Foster. Yeah, like it's and so you understand how angry Robert De Niro is that, <laughs> yeah, that this yeah. young girl is a prostitute and like it's so ridiculous and then this one not saying that you know being part of a sex trafficking ring isn't horrible yeah. mm -hmm. but like she's I think she was 17 at the time of filming it but they're playing it like she's Jodie Foster's age in Taxi Driver like it's this young little girl and it's just this weird like disconnect where it's like well she's an adult almost yeah like, i guess like it's you know, a weird thing where everyone else is culpable too right like joe yeah. at the diner is out here being like go make your living homes yeah so it's like so weird where me. are we on this yeah yeah and even like even uh i was surprised like when they slap her around the first time and denzel just like stands there and i'm like oh you're just not gonna do anything <laughs> Uh, yeah 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 it seems it all seems like really flimsy and kind of dreamy and i will say the first one doesn't feel very original on rewatch like there are things i remembered and when i was rewatching, i think i agreed that like the chloe gray stuff doesn't really work for me it doesn't fit it feels like it's not what we actually needed for him to to equalize at all you know at all. Yeah. yeah it could have just been like I don't know. I don't know what else they could have replaced it with, but it just seemed. And then, like, um, she disappears like in the middle of the movie and doesn't come back to the very end. So it's like, <laughs> well, because it, they it, kind it, of do Taxi Driver in the first act, which is both one of the things I like about this movie and also one of the problems that they do Taxi Driver, where he goes and kills the entire Russian mob. He just marches into the house, kills everybody, and then the movie starts again when the real villain who's in charge or who the big bad, I guess who's the big bad sent by the larger mafia comes through. And that's interesting. Cause I feel like that's when the real equalizer story begins of sort of this man basically being mirrors of these villains, but for good, right? Sort of seeing David Harbor, Harbor, who is the corrupt cop and being like, Hey, this badge used to mean something, man. And kind of being the equalizer in that sense. But I figured out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I figured out what they could have done. Yes. Put, put, put the on the executive hat. Stuff. Give it to me. <laughs> completely cut out the Chloe Grace Moretz stuff. You don't need it. Lose it. You can still have him go to the diner. You know, like he's still he can't he he can't sleep. Yeah. But you start with, or like the beginning part of what makes him want to become an equalizer is he sees something 
that a dirty cop is doing, which he does in the movie, but like, and so then it becomes like him taking down the Boston police department. And then he flips like one of the cops and starts taking down like the Russian mob or something. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's how he like infiltrates there. They sort of do that, mm-hmm. but it's like very like shoehorned because they spend so much time setting up the Chloe Grace Moretz stuff. Yeah. And yeah. And then at the end, it's like, does she even know that he's the reason that she has all this money? Like, we don't know. I mean, like, she was in the hospital. They do it's come like you- back together for like a second at the end, but it makes it's true. It makes no sense being the overarching thing so we weird. return to yeah it's not a good anchor story for no. for what the equalizer is because i do feel like that's part of what they learn in the second is that like he becomes your friendly neighborhood equalizer at a certain point yeah, where exactly. you know he's writing wrongs <laughs> and that's that is i feel like that's what they should have done from the top where like he shouldn't have had a personal relationship to chloe grace he should have been you know, weird it. having his tea and, stuff. yeah i mean I'm he like, could have just seen we them slap her it. around yeah, yeah and then started being like okay i'm gonna equalize because i don't like what i see yeah. in my neighborhood but yeah yeah the first one <laughs> It's the rare uh, thing where in a franchise, it's not the most dramatic piece. Like, I feel like there's more drama to be had in the second film because he actually cares about Melissa Leo or, you know, does his best performance to to make that more grounded. And it just feels like usually the first action movie is the one with the most grounding. And then it becomes more and more about like the bullets and blood. Mm-hmm. While it does that in Equalizer 2, for sure. It also randomly has a better story, I think. I think in the end. I think so too. Yeah. I was I was surprised at how well the story like holds up. I would say the probably the first one has better action though, because it seemed like they wanted to get that down at least. Like, yes. Very stylized, like we we were saying, like hyper stylized. And so I think the 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 action the first one still is a little bit better, but to to the one more point about the prostitution thing. I'll move on, I promise. Uh <laughs> It's like, so, so like, yeah, he sees her get slapped around. She gets put in the hospital again. Awful, like not good at all. But her best friend played by Haley Bennett. Let's go. Fucking dies. <laughs> She's fucking dead. It's true. So it's like, she if has if to pay, really dude. Equalize like, so, and that's part of my issue too, I guess, with like, his name is the equalizer, even though they never say it to him. Okay. So like by that logic, he is, he is dealing out what the villains are doing. So that would, I mean, I feel like in the script just, writing, if, yes. If they kill the if they kill the sex worker played by Helly Bennett, and he's like, "Oh, they killed her. I guess I gotta kill back." You know, like that's equalizing. But like, I mean, but like, I guess uh, like Chloe Grace Moretz being put in the hospital and like that's the inherent like issue up. here. Yeah, that's the problematic <laughs> like, piece of the spine. <laughs> you're not doing that to the Russians. You're you're deading them like there's there's no going to the hospital and they might have a chance to survive no no it's not equal (laughs) by any means but i think that that like is the issue in in the backbone of this whole thing is he's a psychopath he just happens to fight for the right side so he's allowed to be you know like the way that his violence steps up across these movies it's like this dude's a serial killer he's just allowed to because he's like it's in the name of equalizing. And I guess because this is a movie, I'm cool with that. But those that's where when, you know, to get into some of the questions and plot holes, like that's where most of my concern lies that like, 
it's questionable. His morals are questionable at best. You know, like Liam Neeson's is after his daughter, so him being pretty vile I was is okay. Say that. Right? Like think, uh John yeah. Wick is actively escaping so he's got to be vile because it's his life on the line here he's not wanting to he has no choice denzel he picks and chooses who's gonna pay I feel like he he wants to kill people at a certain yeah point. Like, yeah he he's waiting for an excuse <laughs> i feel like he goes to the diner and he's like got his tea there and he's like who what kind of shit can i get into like he's looking for sure He's looking in people's eyes as they as the light goes from them. Like this guy <laughs> I mean, that's why I've been working really cool. on the face because he is literally becoming a sort of like he the mask he wears as a serial killer is the like yeah because he does that I mean, face and then somebody cool. is gonna get it right every it's time cool. he gives it. And I I, I was you know I'm, I've been uh, revisiting other Kukwa movies to get prepared for this. So good. And I will say that one kind of common thread that I've noticed is that uh, you can have the kind of psychopathic killer. So, for example, The Punisher which yes. was on TV the other day, the original. And in that one, there's no, like, Thomas Jane knows he's a psychotic piece of shit. Like, he's a psychotic killer. <laughs> yes. He, and that's why he doesn't build any relationships. That's why he lives by himself and he has a diet of like whiskey and that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. And so it's like that the movie the awareness. plays into that. Yeah. And so it's like, and I, I think Fuqua in his movies, a lot of times he just gets so swept up by Denzel or something where it's like, he can't see him as a vil like as a anti-hero. Yeah. You can only see him as the hero. And he's yes. done m many movies with Denzel where they can kind of explore that darker aspect, but it's just like, Denzel's so cool. Let me just shoot him. Like he's it's a fucking <laughs> he's he's a Marvel yes. hero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Cause I think that's like one of the signature pieces of what Fuqua is doing is that like, he yeah. loves to tell the story of how, hey, I think a psychopath is a psychopath no matter which side they're on. Because I kind yeah. of actually do see him as maybe, and I'm looking forward to seeing if this is actually there with the third one. But I do think that he is actually trying to see the arc of how this dude thinks he's a good guy in the first one because he's rescuing these yeah. women. In the second one, I think that's getting called more and more into question. And then by the end, yeah. like the culmination of the second movie and what he is doing by the end of that movie, I think the third <laughs> one could really be about how at a certain point the anti-hero has to see themselves and who better than Denzel to be the one that finds himself in the mirror. And man, I just feel like nobody nobody makes an anti-hero look cool like fuqua does dude he figures out a way he like does. i think the action of the first one being so good is really a testament to his directing and sort of saying like i know how to visually tell you who this guy is i don't know if like the writer can nail it and give denzel enough because i think you're right that like denzel elevates it but i think if you watch this 100%. movie with the sound off you get it completely and I think that's because of what he does with his directing. Well, in this time around, uh, I don't normally do this, but I kind of like, because I have the Blu-ray and there was a, a feature on there where it was like, you can watch it in vengeance mode. Which what? Vengeance, vengeance mode is certain scenes would 
uh be broken down by Fuqua and Denzel. So I was like, okay, well let me watch it and see like and I have to say like they're not the best at, oh, com- shit. at commentating the, their own movies. Like it was kind of a letdown, I'm not gonna lie. Like Damn, fuck. I, I feel like I feel like Fuqua was repeating himself a lot, like yeah, this was informing the character. This was informing the character. He kept saying that, and I was like, okay, I get it. Like, informing of what? <laughs> informing of who? Like, what? And then Denzel, uh, Denzel, I guess, had, like, the, the better pieces, I feel like, where you can tell he got super deep into this, like, mm. you know, because, like, every part he plays, like, he's just so committed. Yeah, so, like, yeah, I, he's I a guess capital he was, like, A actor, you know? I guess he was, like, studying, like, OCD, and like different things like so like in the first one like so a lot of the th- i i do i like how I, it's, it's, psychopaths it's not, like to blame ocd for what I know. they do to people <laughs> i think that's it's a like really the, fun uh, through line as well <laughs> the accountant the accountant is something similar with ben affleck like it's <laughs> such a good uh, such a good parallel to draw because there is something um, about how like denzel and affleck are such good actors that they can show you that like a psychopath had a soul. Someone just stole yeah. that and and or they signed it away, gave it away, whatever. But like and it's 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 not my my issue isn't that it's in the movie. It's just that they don't come back to it or that it's like it almost feels like just a stylized choice and then it's like, all right, let's do something different. It's like if yeah. that's part of his personality, then just make it part of like that's part of his and they do in the first one, I feel like 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 to your point. Fook was directing all those like insert shots of him lining up the book to the edge of the table and the spoon mm-hmm. and everything. And um, when he's like he the first scene where he kills the Russians and he he puts the skulls yeah. to every every person and he closes the door three times. It's like okay, like and also getting, the timing. You know, he's always keeping time. He's always mm-hmm, counting. Yeah. yeah, there is and something so interesting like, about how I couldn't tell if that. Like how you can see how that's immediately OCD and how Denzel sort of is building his character around these things. But how I also thought, yeah, but is this also visually manifest? They never explain it. Yeah. They never explain it. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that I could understand it more. If they explained it, I feel like it would be a lot easier to kind of swallow. uh, It's true because I just watched these movies and I did not at all pick up a lot of that coming in the second one like the second one felt like it was just a free-for-all where because he was allowed to do the violence he did in the first one we just were like off to the races it was like a true second film with like bigger body count harder to kill Mm -hmm. the villain all that stuff you know and 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 again to the denzel point like he did all of his stunts like or like majority of them like you can see him so like when they're slowing it down that's part of i guess that's part of the benefit of that style is you can see Denzel the whole time, yeah, uh, doing it, and you know, to his credit, in that in the vengeance mode, he was talking about how he practiced these fights like thousands of times, like just doing the moves by himself, so he could do it as fast as he could, and even like the choreo- the stunt choreographers and like the uh, the trainers were like, yeah, he's really fast, like you know, he's faster than than you would think at at his age. <laughs> Um, Because he's getting up there. He's getting up there. So I mean, it's true. uh, Yeah, he that again, that's a testament to his performance and like how even though this movie is okay, I can't help but but still compare him and Fuqua to like the greats of their kind because 
there was something they're, about when I was rewatching. Yeah, when I was yeah. rewatching them this time around, I couldn't help but think of like how Coppola existed, how like the Godfather is like no one's ever going to touch it. It's perfect forever. But like he didn't always nail it. You always knew it was his movie, but sometimes it mm -hmm. like was Heart of Darkness. You know, like sometimes mm -hmm. it was Godfather Three. And the Godfather right? is based on yeah, based on <laughs> like yeah. Sometimes his vision couldn't quite be translated as the artist he was and i think in this example like that's coming through with like fuqua being able to to take an anti-hero and make art out of that and the same with denzel it's just they're like doing that against the backdrop of like a man whose vengeance is flimsy at best and whose um i guess the story overall is flimsy at best like Maybe there's something to that because the guy who wrote this, they've all collaborated together on plenty of films. Yeah. I I have his name in the I have his name written down, but but let's, I feel yeah, like let's get into the the filmmaking. That's, I think there's a good segue here. Yeah, for um, sure, so, for sure. Let's go. Yeah, all three movies are written by Richard Wink and uh, directed by Antoine Fuqua. So Richard Wink directed the Magnificent Seven reboot, uh, Jack Reacher two, and then most recently the Protege with uh, Maggie Q. And then Fuqua, you know, we just did the replacement killers. That was like, um, was that his first movie? I think. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. That, that, yep. that was his first movie. Mm -hmm. And then Training Day, you know, which won no sophomore slump Oscar. here. So uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, um, Olympus is fallen, Brooklyn's finest. The list goes on, and so I mean, he he's had some some misses for sure, like Fuqua. But you know, him and Denzel, I feel like are like martin scorsese and robert de niro like yes. it's like you know that it's at least gonna be like a watchable like entertaining movie and like i got the impression too from the behind the scenes that like you because i i can usually get a feel for certain things by, by so many people talking about it and i got the impression that the script was very bare bones when denzel got signed on it's... and so <laughs> a lot of it was added because of denzel like working with the screenwriter like i guess he like worked with him for like weeks wow like rewrite it to how he want like to how he, he saw this guy what this guy would do and say and be yes and he added all the ocd things like he like that was all denzel that wasn't in the script originally interesting So like it makes sense that you know i guess that in the sequel it's not it's not as a part of it but uh yeah i mean, I mean still... it's a little bit of a shade uh criticism but if you think about all the films this guy has written and these movies like they mostly hinge on what the actor and the director are going to decide to do with the content which yeah frankly, like, training that day, is what a writer should do um <laughs> but, training day like on we're watching it it's like it's not the craziest script it's pretty like basic like there's a rookie cop and then he's being trained by a dirty cop <laughs> And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but it's like, because it's Denzel, it's like, oh, shit, this guy is like plotting the entire time. Like, you know, yeah, the but definition like, like of dirty cop is <laughs> yeah. has so many colors now. Yep. Yeah. But you still so, at certain points, you still like him and you, he's right about certain things. It's like you have to become a criminal in certain cases to to catch criminals. And then I guess that's what. Robert or Bob in uh, the Equalizer, <laughs> uh, I guess that might be his kind of uh, psychology too. Also interesting that the Russians kill Denzel in Training Day, and then Equalizer has Denzel killing the Russians. 
Yes, it sure does. <laughs> Getting some revenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like this, for everything that we could trip up on, there's a lot of strengths here. It's just one of those things where, you know, action movies, they have the ability to elevate things, to talk about real things, to ground things. But they also have the ability to exist in a world where a person who is dead uh, can commit lots and lots of murders and no one will question that or look for their identity in any way. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no coverage, news coverage. There's nothing like uh, what are some of I your hang ups here so we can laugh a little bit just about about that, because I feel like the filmmaking, it's epic. You know, I don't have any notes. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's not where my problems lie, even though I'm not like a huge fan of the OCD way of capturing things. Like, I feel like that's yeah. the Tony Scott move and and Tony Scott, like I vibe on that and him and Denzel work well together too, but I'm- See, but that's part of my issue, my hangups with those movies. It's just like, hmm. I'm always just like, you don't need, the over stylization you have denzel and it's like training training <laughs> day it's so it's so simply shot it's like it's not stylized it's like there's none of that at all really you know what i mean and yeah it's like, is that a secret that that's like why it's Fook was like best movie and one denzel it's like you I don't think need it could all that be <laughs> i think know? it like, might be <laughs> because you uh, know like to your point about like less is more i mean my favorite of his movies besides training day though is uh the guilty and even though i had no idea oh, that it was a cover but a cover um that it was a remake but uh i i do remember watching it and just being like this movie is crazy because the tension is so high but i can't i'm not going anywhere i'm not doing anything i'm just in a room someone is just capturing it. these powerful yeah. ass performances sometimes literally just vocal and that's exactly it and with like the jake gyllenhaal you know you can do that like yes. when you have the actor like they, that I my favorite Fuqua I'm realizing as I'm I only have a couple left to go mm -hmm. before I've I've watched all his filmography and I think my favorite is when he he tackles that underground crime element so Training Day Brooklyn's Finest yes. even uh Replacement Killers you yeah know, you know like all those movies where he he kind of like goes into that underbelly and he has like dirty cops and like basically there's no like you know, I'm the hero of this, you know, franchise. Cause it's like, anytime he tries to over like to do that, like King Arthur, for example, it's like, Oh God, like yeah. just stop. I mean, I think maybe it's so that's, boring. It's so yeah, boring, maybe that's you know? part I mean, of it no too. Dimension. Exactly. No it. Right. Yeah. Telling a story about a hero is boring. And I think even Marvel found its way there too, because a good guy yeah. is only so interesting. You know, there's something about well, Iron Man is even like a jerk. Like he's a, <laughs> you know like yeah yeah and day. he's the he's maybe the one that i feel like i'll miss the most when we take these breaks from exactly. that type of thing yeah. and that's got to be what it is uh and i i have to say i like love i do like action movies that bring in the like psychology of good and bad you know like they're these are people who do evil things but are talking about conscience they're trying to like i think that's always going to be an interesting conversation too where basically you say there are a lot of things I have no boundaries around. Like I'll kill a lot of people, but I won't kill a kid. You know, like I'll kill a lot yeah. of people, but I won't kill someone just because I am angry with them. Like they'll have to have done something. And even though that's like not great, that's not like a great extreme question to be asking. It's what movies are made of. And it's at least a good moral question to talk about, right? Like well, to, 
Yeah, I, I will say one thing to the script's credit, one thing I like about how they write this character um, is that he always gives, and they talk about this in the behind the scenes too, he always gives the villains an opportunity to flip and do the right thing. So mm. like, you know, he he tells the cops, you know, I think you should give the restaurant owner the money back, you know, and they just mm-hmm. laugh at him and they're like, why would we do that? Uh, and And then i I mean that does turn around on him though right like that's the that is maybe the one interesting part about the first one is that like he does try to be the neighborhood friendly equalizer and like immediately gets smited because those dudes are murdered by the criminal element they were they were beholden to yeah right like Uh, there's almost like a they were just following orders element to it which is kind of interesting mm -hmm. so there's something nice about how he he has been made to follow orders and now he gives a choice. Yeah. And, and, and the other, the other thing I like about it that I think separates it from this genre of revenge movie is that he doesn't use guns. He does not use guns. That's he, true. In the first one, he uses uh, so many knives, <laughs> so many different. It's like, and it's like, that's another, it's like, like, you know, one of his rules, I guess is like, you know, I'm not fully into the, the past life I had maybe like, because I'm, doing everything I can to like use stuff around the room and not a gun. <laughs> like, well, I, mean, like, I know it's I like flimsy like he, logic. He but... uses a gun for, for like more practical reasons, but when it comes to kills, they're always up close and personal. Cause I feel like in equalizer two, he kind of hits that wall where it's like hard to not use a gun or at least the scope. Well, in the first know? one, at least in the yeah. first one, at least the entire, the, you can go through the whole movie. The only time he ever, uses a gun is he he puts it behind the villain's back and it's he's pulling the villain's finger to pull the trigger he, so he himself never so uses a gun yeah <laughs> yeah um, i mean obviously we got to talk about the like kills here because i feel like you yeah. know stunts and kills they go hand in hand here because of all the combat that's happening but yeah i mm-hmm. do think I, I i like that action movies are trying to do better at just not shooting everything up and like having creative kills because man the knife work and the combat fight stuff with the knives in this unparalleled like what other action movie really has that much going on with the with knives with knife fights john wick that's like the only one i could think <laughs> but of. still john That's wick pop. has the knives but it's popping mad guns off right guns it can't off. stay yeah. away from guns because True. obviously they're doing too that's much his, that's his bread and butter <laughs> yeah um yeah, like I guess if we're getting into the sequences now, like that first thing in uh the first fight in Equalizer when like Robert shows off his skills for the first time is so epic and so like unexpectedly gory and gruesome. Well, yeah, it's like he goes zero to a hundred with him. He jumps yes. off the cliff. He doesn't fall off the wagon. <laughs> that I mean, I feel like that is might be the best scene of the franchise in my opinion um just because that gets to like what he's about he gives them a chance you know he, he <laughs> i wanted to bring this up he brings the ninety eight hundred dollars i don't know why he brought that amount to buy her freedom <laughs> yeah that was wild that was that's such true a weird amount of money like and they're like you want to buy it for nine thousand he's like ninety eight hundred cash <laughs> It's like, why was that all he had in the bank account? Yeah, like, like did did he check confusing. the inflation rate on <laughs> you know trafficking for young women? It it is a random thing, but but uh, an interesting element. It gives him of, a chance. 
exactly of making sure we don't forget there's a moral something there it's just been warped by service or something and you get the stereotypical like russian guy being like you fucking americans all (laughs) you think you can come in here (laughs) oh man the righteousness money (laughs) yes you'll always get a good righteous villain in these movies for Uh, sure and then yeah you just i mean in that one fight alone you get like again no uh only gun is the behind the back part that's in that scene but then you get like shot glass to the eye that was fucking gross yep uh you get like corkscrew through the mouth again that's one of the ones where he stares at the guy as he's like pulling it out like gives maximum like i'm fucking you up like this is the last thing you're gonna see before you die so serious yes and then uh and then um you know that final like the the main guy who was doing all the talking or whatever mm-hmm. uh you know he's bleeding out on the floor and he's like talking to him like you know your heart is flooding right now you're you're here's you know, the like, talk, right here talk, is the talking him through your death yeah like and it's just oh man it's like i mean all that stuff like really tracks with how serial killers work they're like looking to log yes, every exactly. moment of your death so they can relive <laughs> it in a fantasy and he's like literally doing that in front of us amazing <laughs> Uh, what about you or some uh, other other sequences you like? I mean, I agree. I think the reveal and setting the tone that way is what is something I love about these movies is that they start so right. high up and they're not they're not coming down. They're just going higher. Um, I feel like the finale of the first film is just amazing. You know, like yeah. he. Yeah, everything gets wrapped up like nice and tightly with his friend, the security guard and the nice human story that was happening there. You know, he basically has to abandon everything and his true full self comes out. And it's, you know, like even it's even deadlier than we had seen, you know, like he it's the home alone of it all and the ability to use all the tools. Yeah, so creative, so deadly. The Tech Nine nail gun, like, where can I buy one of those? Just even just a model for fun to role play, you know, like this. That is a real gun. You can get that. Yeah. I, I I found that in the research. That is a real gun. Wow. Just uh, <laughs> baller. <pop. laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that might be too why I always liked the first one for the longest time better than the second one because for years I worked in a hardware store like very similar baller. to the home to the home mart which is in this movie let's go and uh and uh so yeah it was i mean i feel like this is obviously like a home depot ish like that's what they're going for mine was like a little more local so not as nice like that break room was like our break room was not bad like (laughs) that that break room was super nice like decked out like and so i I was so every time i'm like kind of looking for things but like you know, and, and I'm just reminded of that job where it's like, I like, okay, yeah, the, the electrical department with all the fans going on all the time. I remember that. Yep. Like, and I always said when I worked there, I was like, if there ever was a zombie apocalypse, this would be like the best fucking place to go. Yep. Like, everything you, you need have is there. Everything you need there. <laughs> like, that's right. Uh, so the fact that Denzel uses his home turf to kind of, like you said, home alone uh, the shit and so like, far. you know, make, barbed wire traps and use these drills and shit like it's oh man i love it yeah 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 let's talk about the favorite kills because obviously mine comes from (laughs) (laughs) that period of the movie oh go ahead yeah you go ahead 
yes yes oh man okay yeah i think for me my favorite skill is gonna have to be um this the skull like you mentioned like just drilling the skull through the head the through the, through the it's head. next level yeah, yeah it's next yeah. level it's one of those things that <laughs> also brutal. is like a random rite of passage it like happens in a lot of movies and each time i'm always like who's gonna do it better or different and just a honk and drill this time around really gets it done and again he's like making this face where you're like he's enjoying it but he's doing he's, everything he can not to enjoy it like he's fighting he's pretty, the joy in these moments especially in that kill it's just too good <laughs> yeah it's, but even the way they set that up though i do want to like break it down because it's like he like lays the the trap down and then they're like okay we got to go backwards so the guy will walk backwards into the drill like yep. it's like he's plotting everything 10 steps ahead at all times yes uh so so that's why you get that payoff yes yes yeah. yeah it's like the level of planning again that a serial killer who obsesses over these details could come up with and i guess that's maybe why denzel leans into the ocd of it all and is looking for all of the details and maybe like the reframe of resourcefulness uh being mm -hmm. a part of it too that like anything he sees he can turn into a weapon and yeah. I guess, like that is a that's an important skill for the modern hero in lots of movies we're seeing all of the heroes and anti-heroes have to find a way to murder someone with everything in the room true yeah and like <laughs> um yeah i was i don't know i was thinking about the the nail gun too at the end which like the villain in the first one too like is like i i do want to shout him out because i feel like he uh yeah he's he scary up with denzel very well mm -hmm. like this this even the non-violent scenes like the scene where he like goes to his apartment and they're kind of like feeling each other out i fucking love that scene because he's just like he's like uh you know you were at this place and denzel's like again ahead of him like oh yeah yeah i was there and he's like oh he's like yeah i paid cash how did you find me like and, <laughs> and yep. then it's like going back and, and then he's like aren't you gonna leave me your card he's like i gave all those out but mm -hmm. like, you know it's going down you know it's and then he has like the secret cameras and stuff like um so yeah but i guess my favorite kill god it's so hard between i guess i'd have to go with the corkscrew because i just feel like that's such a badass like because but even before he puts it through the guy's mouth he's like using it as like boxing like he's yeah. boxing with the corkscrews like on his fist like it's so oh, hard it is it's so, so it's true yeah he he has like a swagger in his kills which are really cool and yeah i think the second one i just mostly always return to the knife stuff and i just feel like the big ending and the way that he defeats the harpoon the harpoon through the eye was my and if we had to go for the second one my favorite kill that was my favorite for yeah yeah i mean i he almost cuts off pedro pascal's head with the knife and yeah. i just <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> it's a wild kill um but uh, yeah wild i feel movies. like this, this franchise is good i'm excited about the third one i i i'm excited it exists like i love denzel so much i love I love that he gets to have the late chapter of action franchise that, you know, Gerard Butler and Liam Neeson's are getting, right? Like he deserves mm -hmm. it. And uh yeah, this is this is man, there are no there are no fucks given about how violent these movies are. <laughs> <laughs> 
there really isn't i don't like, it, it, that's why it's it's just it's such a uh interesting like franchise in that because it's and again this is based on a uh tv show like we talked about mission impossible like an old tv <sighs> yeah, show which is i never wild. watched it mm-hmm. and i uh, and i but i doubt because it was on network tv that it was this fucking violent never <laughs> <laughs> like this never, i mean i guess i know they didn't have great ratings but there's no way they let this kind of stuff fly absolutely not yeah, but I mean, again, Denzel, um, just committing himself, hundred percent. I I love it, and like you said, with the swagger, like that was one thing Denzel talked about in the behind the scenes that for the choreography, one thing that he was trying to go for was like because he would be so cool under pressure. Like if you watch those fight scenes, he's like never straining himself. Like he's just like yeah. doing it the most efficiently, and just like yeah, just like. <laughs> It's just like he never like not smiling again, nonplussed, but like just doing it the most efficiently that he can. Um, and yeah, it's again like saw Home Alone mixed together. Yeah, yeah, seriously, it's the best of all those things. It's, it both is informed by and informs all the franchises around it, and so. Yeah, this is a good one. And I'm glad that we get another chance to talk about another, you know, big franchise. What a crazy year this is that another franchise is coming down the pike. And here we are discussing. <laughs> yeah. I want to, can I drop some, just some really quick special features for you? Oh, hell uh, yeah. Uh, drop them. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I guess the one thing that Denzel said too with the, at the end, I love how they shoot, like when the sprinklers go off. And, uh, you know, you get the slow-mo water on Denzel's face while he's killing the bad guy with the nail gun. Yes. Uh, so sick. Yep. Uh, Denzel was like, Denzel was like, that water wasn't warm, by the way. That was cold-ass water. <laughs> sure was. Sure was. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, that's all right, though. That's all right. It's my job. I was like, oh, man, I fucking love Denzel. <laughs> Me too. God, Denzel is the best. And also, I have to name that, like, both of these movies end in water. You know, they're like, I feel like so many of yeah. Google's movies end in water True. with like True. some yeah. powerful dramatic rain, and I love it. Yeah, and the second one, the finale is in the storm, the hurricane basically yep. coming through. Um, Nicholas Wine Refn was supposed to direct the first equalizer. What? Can you, <laughs> can you imagine it? He was all set to go, and then he got replaced. Uh, but That's so wild. That would have been, honestly, I kind of want to see, like, we kind of got it with Drive, but I feel like th- this franchise would be very different tonally, like. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. I don't even know what to expect, but that's so interesting. And I just love the respect, right? Like, an auteur was going to yeah. ha- be at the helm of this, and I just love yeah, that, like, way. an action movie either gets way. that respect. Exactly. Um, The Chloe Grace Reds piece, uh, apparent, like, the role originally was written for someone older and then Chloe Grace Moretz basically met Fuqua and he fell in love. Like he was like, you're the per- perfect for this part. And it's like, Oh God. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm happy for her. But at the same time, it's like, I, I, I kind of think you were just like, she's a really nice person and you wanted to cast her in something, but she was so hot. She's been so yeah. hot, you know, like we respect her. We love her, but it's, she doesn't fit here and being miscast. Like, it's always so it's unfortunate so when somebody gets miscast. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the, uh, this is the last thing I'll say, but like, she also was doing research. Like she followed sex workers around and stuff. And I guess the one thing that they said to her when they first met her, they were like, 
oh, you're too skinny. Like you would never keep a man around <laughs> like being that skinny. And so she had, she gained weight for the role. Whoa. <laughs> what? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. God, a couple of actors with capital A's. We got Denzel rewriting characters and Chloe Grace Pedro, following Pedro sex Pascal. workers. Melissa Leo. Dude, Melissa Leo of it all is so funny. I mean, she's here, she's there, she has an Oscar. (laughs) We didn't talk about her, but like her and Denzel's like friendships, I thought was so cute in in the two movies. It's like I I feel like they're both the they're both like such grounded people. So I think that's why I think that's why in the second one, I think the emotional story feels more valid because he does have more chemistry with Melissa Leo than Chloe Grace. Like. He has he always has 100%. chemistry with little 100%. girls, you know. He's always like, I will protect all little ladies. That's but, why I'm so it's so weird that I was telling you, like the the they fumbled the bag on the Equalizer 3 marketing. Like I did I didn't even know that Dakota Fanning was coming back. I'm like, hello your marketing right there. Like it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. I know, I know. I'm disappointed because so, I love Dak so much. So I'm really excited for them to be reunited so and to yeah, see where this goes for sure. Same, same. Awesome. All right, cool. Yes, that wraps it up for us. Let's remind the people where they can find us. Yes, get your fix and follow the show at We Stay Buff on Instagram, YouTube. Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch. Follow me on all the socials at rampage underscore misfit and misfit underscore minded. And for more in-depth coverage, visit my website, misfitminded.com. Take us for a ride and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And you can follow me on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at it's me, Shani B. All right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time for another edition of Movie Buffs. Stay ball.